0: Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. That's when the Holy Spirit makes sure that Jesus gets the praise that he's due. That's when the Holy Spirit makes sure that Jesus gets the praise that he's due. We do our best. And then he comes in and says, I got it from here. I got it from here. Oh, we love you, Jesus. When you um, when you sing heaven's songs, the atmosphere changes. You'll notice the songs we sang tonight; uh, they weren't testimony songs, and those those are good, and those are important um, songs about what the Lord's done for me. And what the Lord's done for us. And what the Lord's done in our life. Those are good and those are important. But something happens. When the song isn't about me. When the song just says holy, holy, holy. And the song just says worthy. Heaven just, I don't know man. Heaven just breathes on it. Heaven just seems to breathe on it. Maybe that's because that's what they sing up there. When you get to when you get to heaven, your song will not be all the things he brought you through. Although that's awesome. It's gonna be holy as the Lamb and worthy as the Lamb. Well. Um, okay. Let's see what we can get through, okay? The Lord's still the boss. He's still the boss. And he can still do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, okay? He is still the boss. One second in his glory is better than a hundred hours of what I can give you. One second in his glory. Do you see what happens? Can I just, for a second, do you see what happens when you linger with the Lord? Do you see what happens when you... When you hang out for just a few minutes, when you're not in a rush to leave, when you sing it one more time or two more times or 10 more times just to see what he might do. You see what happens when you just he is that much of a lover. He is that much of a lover that he sees the heart that says, I'll sing it twice more. Because maybe if I sing it twice more. He'll come again. He sees that heart. And he responds to it. And he responds to it. It's nothing special that we do. We just in faith sing the song again. And say I wonder if we go around one more time. If he'll meet us again. And here he comes. In all of his glory. Again and again. And again and again and again. My gracious. I felt like. I guess I felt like uh, when I was praying before service tonight that the Lord was going to actually heal people during worship um, tonight. Uh, If you if you came in with uh, some sort of ailment, physical ailment or sickness or a disease, I would encourage you to test that thing out, to test that thing out. It is that kind of worship that people get lost in when they get. Stuck looking at the face of Jesus when people get healed. Most easily. Most easily. So I would encourage you, if um, if you came in specifically, I'll just give this one. Specifically, I felt like there was somebody who had an issue with their right foot. I don't know if it's a, a broken bone that hasn't healed or a bone that was broken and healed weirdly. Is that anybody... Anybody in here put your hand up if that's you. Come on, don't don't be shy. Anybody 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 anybody. Don't ask me to pray for it after service. I my right ankle and uh, I had a lot of, it's been a long, you know, recovery yeah. problems, so I'm still having some problems. Okay. Close enough. Maybe I'm maybe I thought yes, yeah, sue. All right, maybe I, maybe I thought foot and it was ankle. I'm taking it. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus. I mean, foot's pretty close to ankle, man. When you got to hear all the way from heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that it is your desire. It is your, it is your good pleasure. It is your good pleasure to give Jesus the reward of his suffering. Father, I pray that you would re- release the healing power of the stripes of Jesus. Here in this room. Father in these situations. In these ankles. Father but also in the other situations in the room. That we know are here. Father release your healing power. Let your glory be made manifest Lord. And let testimonies flow out of this house. Not because a people have come in. And said oh we need healing. Oh we need healing. Oh we need healing. But because a people have come in. And gotten lost in the face of Jesus. And in that glory Lord. There is healing. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay. Thank you for bearing with me. I felt like I had to be obedient to that. Okay. I'm in Matthew 6 tonight. Matthew 6. I'm going to read a couple of verses and then I'm going to read several more, okay? Is that okay? Matthew 6:22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. <clears throat> So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Uh, Matthew 6 is the second chapter from the Sermon on the Mount. We've just come off of Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the... Peacemakers. We have all of that. Um, Following that, Jesus goes into salt and light. He calls his followers the light of the world, which is a crazy, wild idea Um, because actually we don't see Jesus call himself the light of the world until John 8, which is uh, chronologically well after the Sermon on the Mount would have taken place. So we have uh, Matthew 5. At the end of Matthew 5, we have Jesus talking about um, some issues um, dealing with the heart. So he deals with adultery. He deals with murder. um, But Jesus doesn't deal with these things on a surface level. He deals with the heart issue. So he says, you've heard it said, don't murder. I'm telling you, don't hate your brother. Because if you hate your brother, to me, it's the same thing as murder. Um, Why does Jesus say that? Because murder externally begins as hate internally. Does that make sense? He talks about adultery. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Again, why? Because that begins as an internal issue that manifests itself outwardly. Jesus is never dealing with stuff on a surface level. He's always dealing with stuff at the root. Always dealing. If anybody gardens, anybody garden in here, you know you got to kill stuff at the root, Right? It doesn't work to just pick off the leaves of the weeds at the surface because it's growing back. So Jesus digs down, deals with stuff at the roots. So we make it through Matthew 5, and we get to Matthew 6. Okay? I'm going to read you a few verses, several verses, and I want to catch you up to where we're at because Jesus goes through basically four, uh, well, we could call it three. He goes through three or four different uh, things. That believers will go through or do or carry out in their life. And he's setting up this kind of climactic conclusion that he's going to give. Okay, So Matthew 6.1, he says, Take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. Verse 2. So when you give to the poor, okay, so we talked about practicing righteousness. Now, the next three are practicing righteousness, but there's more to practicing righteousness than just these three. So that's why I break it out as a second, uh, as a fourth section. Okay, so talked about practicing righteousness. Now he's talking about giving. When you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the street so that they will be praised by people. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, in other words, you you are supposed to give to the poor. Did you know that? We are supposed to give to the poor. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your charitable giving will be in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Praying. Verse 5. And when you pray... You're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they will be seen by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's in secret. Your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Uh, Some translations put openly there. I'll take that. All right. Skip down to verse 16 because Jesus then teaches them how to pray. Right. That's the that's the Lord's Prayer. All right, verse 16. Now he's talking about fasting. Now, whenever you fast, <laughs> do not make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. I'm probably guilty of that. For they distort their faces. I, I'm i not good at fasting. I'm not. I'm not very good at fasting. I'm very good at eating. I'm not very good at fasting. But the Lord and I are working on it. The Lord and I are working on it. So, forgive us. And I probably do make a gloomy face. And Lauren's probably sick of it. But... The Lord and I are working on it. So don't make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, like Brandon does. For they distort their faces so that they will be noticed by people when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Okay, are you alive? Okay, so Jesus talks about practicing righteousness, giving, praying, and then he talks about fasting. Can we just really quick come to an agreement? These are not things that the heathen do, right? These are not things that those outside of the faith do. These are things that those who believe in Jesus do. These are things that, that we do. This is, this is not a message for the, uh, the this is, these are not instructions for the unsaved or the ungodly. In other words, he's not telling the, uh, the lost drug addict, hey, when you fast, this is how I want you to fast. Or when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. Now, once you get saved and you come into the faith, awesome, this is how you pray. He's talking to us. So this is a message for us, okay? This is, this is a part of the sermon that's for us. The Sermon on the Mount, there's lots of people there. Lots of people there. And he is specifically talking to different groups of people at different times. In this section, he's talking to us who believe. Okay? In verse 19, he, he, uh, he says something that's weird. Well, not weird. It just seems like it's out of left field, which is pretty much what Jesus does. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and rust, rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys, where thieves, thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. Lots of people, lots of people will tell you these verses are about money. That's true, except that it's not true, except that it can, can be true. That can be about money, except it's, it's not what Jesus is exactly talking about. Jesus is a really good public speaker. Like, the, probably the best public speaker ever like to ever live and to ever walk on this planet. If Jesus wanted to talk about money, he'd have put that in the money section of the speech. There was a money section where he talked about giving to the poor. If he wanted to talk about money, just treasure as in like gold, silver, precious things, money, he'd have put it in the money section of the speech. I write for a living. I communicate. I do public relations for a living. It doesn't make sense to have two items that are related that could go together and to separate them. It doesn't make sense. It's all over the place. He, If he was talking about money only, he would have connected them. So either Jesus forgets to connect this with the money portion, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jesus doesn't forget, or he's talking about something different. Okay? Are you alive? Are you alive? I know you want a nap coming off the glory, but hang in there. Come on. Zap somebody Holy Spirit. Wake them up. Just one. It'll do it. <laughs> yeah, now you're awake. You're like, "Don't be me, please God, don't zap me. I don't want to be carried to the car. All right. <laughs> oh, there's enough glory it might. Okay. Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasure. He has spent 20, uh, let's see, 20, eighteen verses to this point, talking about all of these things, and then out of nowhere he starts talking about treasure. To this point, he hasn't talked about treasure at all. What is the treasure that Jesus is talking about? He hasn't talked about treasure one bit in 18 verses. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says, but don't store up treasure for yourself. It's like, well, wait a second. Where did we, when did we start talking about treasure? When, when did treasure get into the picture? The treasure that Jesus is talking about is being seen. It's being seen. So in all of the preceding verses, practicing righteousness, giving to the poor, praying and fasting, I about forgot one, praying and fasting, in all of those scenarios, Jesus warns them. He says, don't do this so that other people see you like the hypocrites do. Don't do this so that other people see you because they have their reward. What's their reward? Nobody is paying them money. Like, the poor folks of Jerusalem are not coming along to the Pharisees who are fasting and going, you're doing a really good job, and giving them cash for fasting. Does that make sense? Nobody is coming along and going, here's 20 bucks because you look really gloomy while you're fasting. That's not what they're doing. The treasure or the reward that Jesus is talking about is attention. It's attention. And he contrasts that with, but... oh. Help us. Is that better? But he contrasts that with, but do it not so that people will see you because they have their reward, but do it so your Father will see you. Why? Because your Father will reward you. Your Father is the one who you want to reward you. Okay, so let's think about reward. If the reward from people is attention... If the reward from people here is that they give me attention for what I'm doing, then the reward of the Father is attention. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that the Father turns a blind eye to us. I'm not saying the Father's got His back turned to you. But I am saying that it is biblical that the Father is, has eyes that are roaming the earth, looking for those whose hearts are blameless towards Him. He's got eyes that are looking for folks who are doing His bidding on the earth. And the reward that Jesus is talking about, the treasure that I am storing up, that word for treasure, Pastor Matt taught on this uh, maybe a few months ago, it can be a precious thing. So it's, it's kind of a dual definition. It is a precious thing, like a, like a jewel or a piece of gold or silver, but it's also a treasury. So I have a treasury... That I am creating every time I do something not for people to see it. But I also have treasure that's going into my treasury. What is the treasure that's going into the treasury? It is the Father paying attention to me. Maybe that doesn't blow your mind. He's the one. I mean, just recap for a second. He's the one who stood before there was time, space, or matter and decided, I've got a plan. I'm going to create stuff and just spoke it. And there it was. He just spoke it. And there was everything that has ever been. This God who holds the universe in His hand and causes the earth to spin on its axis, sets His eyes and His affection and His attention on me every time that I do something that is not for the view of the people around me, but is so that the Father will see me. He sets His eyes on me. He sets His eyes on me. He turns His eyes towards me. But I don't get that if I do it so that they see me. I don't get that. I have the ability to do something. Hear this. I have the ability to do something in the name of the king and for the kingdom and forfeit the affection or the attention of the king. I can forfeit the attention of the king. I can give everything I own to the poor in the name of Jesus so that they put my name in headlines and the father says, I ain't putting my attention on it. Heaven doesn't stand up and celebrate that. The angels don't marvel at that. Jesus doesn't go wow to that. But to the widow who gives the last two pennies that she has. Jesus sits by and watches her give her last little offering that she has. And he goes, she's given more than the rest of all of these. And I'm not trying to make it a money thing. I'm trying to say anything that is done in the name of the king for the kingdom... It can be done for them to see or for him to see. For them to see or for him to see. Now hang on. You can invite people to church for them to see or for him to see. You can invite people to fill the house because Pastor Matt told you to. And because you think Pastor Matt will pat you on the back and celebrate you. Or you can do it because it's his heart. One of those is the right way to carry it out. The other one is, the other one doesn't get heaven's applause. Here's the crazy thing. Heaven's gonna take them either way. You bring them in so that Pastor Matt pats you on the back and they get saved, heaven will take them. Heaven's not, heaven's not punishing them because you wanted attention from somebody else. Heaven will take them. But when you get over there and you stand before the, him and you say, I brought all these people, it's wood, hay, and stubble. And it gets burned up in the fire. And it, doesn't be, it, does, it isn't the gold, silver, and precious stone that makes it through the fire. Because it was for them to see and not for Him to see. And not for Him to see. I can do things for the King and in the, in the name of the King and for the kingdom. And he, and he, I can forfeit His eyes on it. I can forfeit His eyes on it. And people do it all the time. People do it. All the time. All the time. Listen, I'm all for publicity. I'm in public relations. I do communications and public relations for a living. But the next time I see somebody go on a mission trip and post on Facebook about all they did on the mission trip, I'm going to punt my phone off a bridge. Stop posting on Facebook what you did on the mission trip. Get in the closet and shut the door and tell the Father thank you for the opportunity to go and wash the feet of those who get, who, who don't have the things that you have. Shut the door and tell the Father. And no, nobody on this side of glory is going to know about it. But you're going to stand before the company of angels one day. And Jesus is going to stand up and say, Remember the time you went on that mission trip and nobody knew all the things that you did while you were there? I saw it. And my eyes were fixed on it. And my eyes were fixed on it. I don't have to post or tweet or whatever the other stuff is about all the stuff that I do in the name of Jesus. I can just do it so that Jesus sees it. So that Jesus sees it. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, verse 22 and 23. We're getting there. Oh, we're glorious on time, probably. Alright, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Okay, got hang on just a second. Jesus is talking to a Jewish Hebrew audience. This sounds all funky to us. What about the eye and the... Let me tell you, if you look this up, some of your commentaries that you look up will tell you this means a generous or a stingy person. They'll tell you that a a Jewish clean eye means a generous person and a Jewish closed eye means a stingy person. That may be true. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what he's talking about. How do I know? Because the preceding verses are not about money. They're not about money. They are about attention. They're about whose attention do you have? If the two verses ahead of this were about treasure, finances, money, then that would be correct. It would be about being a stingy person or being an open-handed person. But it's not about that. It's about attention. It's about whose attention do I have? And Jesus is expounding on this. And He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. What is the eye to the Jewish people? The eye directs the heart. Okay? Are you there? Anybody? Everybody. The eye directs the heart. i got to come down again. I should just carry it with me. The eye gives direction for the heart. The heart is the seat of affection. Okay, so the heart is... uh, Thank you so much. The heart is... um, the heart is 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 the is the why or the the uh, the the it is the the emotions behind what I do. But the eye directs my heart in the Jewish mentality. OK, so when the Jews hear that the eye is the lamp of the body, the way that they're hearing this is where I set my vision, it directs where my heart goes. Does that make sense? OK, Paul doesn't talk about the eye very often. Have you noticed that? When you read Paul's letters, Paul's not talking about eyes. Why? Because he's not talking to Jewish folks. He's not talking to Jewish folks. He, in Ephesians, he talks about the eyes of your understanding being opened. Outside of that, he doesn't talk about eyes. What does Paul talk about? He talks about your mind. The eye to the Jew is the mind to the Greek. Okay? So if you're having trouble, because listen... Some folks get on to me and they're like I need it more practical. Here you go. Here's the practical, okay? When 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 Hebrews says says looking unto Jesus, what is it talking about? Setting your eyes on Jesus. Okay, practically, what does it mean? Setting your mind on Jesus. Setting your mind to us western, we're a more Greek culture than we are Jewish culture. It is talking about setting your mind because my mind directs where my heart goes. My, the What I think about, what I give my attention to, what I give my thought to, it directs where my affection goes. It directs where my affection goes. And Jesus is saying, when you're doing all of these things, here's how to avoid doing it so that people see you. Make sure your eye is focused on the right thing. Okay, make sure your mind is focused on the right thing. There's only one thing that needs to be on your mind when you're doing all of these things. It is Him. It's Him. That's the only thing. That word for clear there, it's actually single. It should be translated simple or single. The NASB I love, but I don't think that's a very good translation. Most of your Bibles probably say single. Single. And that word word for single is actually a compound word. Okay, that means there's two words that make up one word. One word is to be twisted or braided together. It's to be mingled together. In fact, it's the same word that they use when they talk about plaiting together the crown of thorns. Okay, so that's the degree that they twist together. It's where, I don't know, where one begins and the other ends. Okay, that's the twisting together. The other word is alpha. It's alpha. It means one. But what does alpha mean all throughout the book? It means beginning, but it means a person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It is to be twisted together with Jesus. It is to have a mind or an eye, whichever way your brain interprets it best. It is to have a mind or an eye that is twisted together with Jesus. This is the way, Jesus says, that you can do the things of the kingdom and make sure that you're not doing it for the people out there to give you recognition. If COLG is going to stand in the fullness of the promises that we have and do it for the right reasons, it won't be because we just follow a formula. It will be because we follow the plan that He's revealed to our leaders, but we keep a mind that is twined together with Jesus. With Jesus. Because I can follow the formula and do it so that Winchester applauds me. And heaven won't celebrate it. And heaven won't celebrate it. And if heaven won't celebrate it, I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of it. I'm not doing anything that heaven won't celebrate. I only want to be twisted together with Him. Intertwined with Him. So that everything that I do, my mind is set on Him. Focused on Him. Combined with Him so that only He is the affection of my heart. Only He is the affection of my heart. Because the book says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Well, brother, I'd never do that so I'd get applause. You don't know your heart. You don't know your heart. I don't trust my heart. I don't trust my heart. I know me enough to know I don't trust me. I don't trust me. At the chance for applause, I would take it in a heartbeat. Because I'm flesh. I'm dust. I'm dirt. I know me. And I know us. And I know at the opportunity of applause, if we don't have a mind that is twined together with Him, we'll jump at the chance for applause. And right now it sounds crazy, because there's all these empty chairs. But you watch. I don't want to put a year on it. You watch. Time goes by people start flooding this house. Drug addicts start getting saved. Neighborhoods start changing. Families start getting turned around. You start getting community leaders in here that go, what do you have and what are you doing and what's going on in there? And they want to start celebrating you down at City Hall. They want to start giving you applause down at the courthouse because look at what COLG is doing. Listen, I'm all for the Lord getting applause, but we better make sure when they show up and say, hey, can we give you the key to the city? No, no, but you give Jesus one if you want to say hey Jesus gets the key to the city you go ahead you want to make that declaration into the air you go for it man but don't you dare applaud me don't you dare applaud me because I'm not doing it for Winchester to see it I'm doing it for him to see it I'm doing it for him to see it and the crazy thing is along the way if I do it for him to see it he'll make sure people applaud me and it's super uncomfortable at times It's very uncomfortable at times. It's annoyingly uncomfortable at times. And he does it to be annoyingly uncomfortable at times. He does it to be that way. (laughs) Bill Johnson says, Bill Johnson says somebody will sing a song and he'll go up and he'll say, Oh, you sang such a lovely song. That was so beautiful. And they'll say, Oh, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And he'll say, Well, it wasn't that beautiful. I mean, if Jesus sang it, galaxies would have been created. We don't, I'm not saying be weird. Say thank you if someone says you did a good job. I'm saying have a heart that says I'm not in it for me. I'm not in it for me. I am seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. And if he adds something to me, I'm going to try to give it away. Try to give it back to him. And if he shoves it back in my lap, then I'll have to deal with it. Whether it be blessing or whatever. But I'm living with a heart that says I'm not doing it for me. I'm not doing it for me. The eye is the lamp of the body. Listen. The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is not the flame of the body. You are not your own flame. You are not your own flame. You know what a lamp is? It carries a flame. It carries a flame. To the Jews, they understood that the eye received light and projected light. That's what they understood. The Hebrew... The Hebrew people understood that the eye took in light, and then that light that it took in, it projected. That's how they understood that the eye worked. I don't know how it really works, so don't tell me. I don't really care. They took in, It took in light, and then it projected light. And he is saying, listen, you are not your own flame. You do not carry your own flame. All you do is project the flame that is being given to you. If I ever get to a point to think that I am my own flame, I am in danger of a bad fall. I am in danger of a bad fall. My job is to see the flame that is Christ Jesus, the intercessor of all of our faith. To see Him who is the man with eyes of fire and to reflect, take in that light and reflect that light. That's my job. My job is not to be the light. In that sense. Yes, I'm supposed to be the light in the world. I can only be the light to the degree that I allow him to shine in me and through me. I can't be the light because I pray because, because I read enough scripture and memorized enough. Because he'll make sure I fall flat on my face if I think that's the case. I can only be the light if I come in, in humbleness, in humility, and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own, but Winchester needs you. And maybe you can shine through this earthen vessel, this jar of clay that gets to carry the treasure of heaven. Are you alive? Okay. I feel the Lord. Is He out there? Oh gosh, He's up here. He says, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. If you have a mind that is set on Jesus your whole body is full of light. Full of light. That's wonderful news. But the bad news is, is there's an equal opposite. There's an equal opposite. If you have an eye that is bad, or evil, some translations say, your whole body is full of darkness. Full of darkness. So, you can be full of light, or you can be full of darkness. That word for bad or evil, by the way, It could be translated um, like sick. In other words, if your eye isn't functioning the way it was meant to function, we were all, all of Winchester, all of us, all of Central Kentucky, all of America, all of the world, all of humankind was meant to have an eye that was fixed on Jesus. That is the original intention. And if they don't have an eye that's fixed on Jesus, it's because there's an eye that's messed up. It's not that some folks have a bad eye that they were just born with, and some folks have a good eye that they were born with. No, no, no. That's how you get messed up, jacked up theology. We were meant to have a good eye. That's the original intention. And if their eye is jacked up, I know a good physician that's still healing blind eyes and breaking them open. He says... If your eye is clear or single, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is evil or sick, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so there's, there's on one side, there's full of light. And on the other side, there's full of darkness. But then there's this middle ground that he gives us. He says, so if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, hang on a second. If you're full of darkness, you can't have light in you. If you're full of light, you can't have darkness in you. Right? So th- this is a middle ground. Right? Do we agree? There's full of light. There's full of darkness. And then there's, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What's Jesus saying? When he says, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That first darkness, he's saying, if the light that is in you is darkened. It could be translated darkened. Or, if the light that is in you is dimmed, how great is the darkness? What is he saying? If there is something obstructing the light that is in you, how great is the darkness? Here's the wild part. What has the authority to obstruct the light? You. You. John 1 verse 5 says that the darkness could not overcome the light. The darkness can't comprehend the light, it can't overcome the light, it can't shade out the light, it can't blacken out the light, it can't move the light, it can't dislodge the light. The darkness can't do anything about the light. So if the darkness can't do anything about the light, who has the ability, the authority, the power to darken and dim the light that is in me? Me. Me. Only I have the authority to darken and dim the light that is in me. And I can choose to be full of light, I can choose to be full of darkness or I can choose to hang out in this middle ground where I've got a light that's like you got the have you ever had the flashlight that's got the batteries that are like halfway going out and it all and you don't know it until the power goes out and your wife is asking you where the flashlight is and you're trying to both find the flashlight and the batteries Before you go see Jesus. So you can be full of light. You can be full of darkness. Or you can hang out in this middle ground somewhere. Where your flashlight batteries are flickering on and off. And some days it is glorious and it looks good and it looks wonderful because the kids were in a good mood this morning. And, man, me and the wife were really getting along. Me and the husband were really getting along. And, man, nothing's broke at home. The refrigerator's running and the cars are great and nothing needs fixed. It's glorious. The light is shining wonderful. And then there are other days where, man, it looks pretty dark because we've got to get an oil change and the kids are fussing and fighting. And, I don't know, we're disagreeing on how we're going to pay some bills and work on some debt. And so one day it's bright and one day it's dark. And one day it's bright and one day it's dark. And one day it's kind of in between. And this is how we live here in this middle ground. When Jesus says there is an option that is not here in the middle ground. It is way over here that is full of light. Full of light. You know what that word full means? Full. It means full. There's there's your breakdown for today. It means full. You can be full of light. You can be full of light. You don't have to hang out in the middle ground somewhere and wonder if this is going to be a good week or a good day or a good meeting. You don't have to hang out in the middle ground somewhere. And the glorious part about it, Jesus did not say that here in the middle ground is that getting out of the middle ground is found by doing all this religious stuff. He said, You get over there by fixing your mind on me, by fixing your mind on me. He didn't say fast and pray and don't eat for 40 days and then you'll be full of light. He said, set your mind on me. Set your mind on me. And that's how you live a life that's full of light. That's how you live a life that's full of light. That's how you, that's how you walk into meetings where there's a million things going on. And yet somehow you have light that is burning a hole through your clothes because all the while you're listening to all this stuff in the back of your mind somewhere, all you can think about is, man, Jesus is wonderful. Yes, I'm going to get that paper over to you, but gosh, Jesus is glorious. Jesus is beautiful. And man, I want to do this assignment for my boss so that Jesus is glorified. And you start living a life where light is flowing out of your being. And you're inviting people to church, not because your pastor's told you to, but because it's on his heart. It's on his heart. That's what Sister Hall talked about this morning. Did you know if you stare at Jesus long enough, you'll start looking at the things he's looking at? You ever had a conversation with somebody and their eyes start wondering? It's the first thing you do. What are you looking at? And you start looking. If you look at the face of Jesus long enough and He starts looking at the brokenness around you, you can't help but turn your head and see the brokenness. The lie is, if you fall in love with Jesus, you'll forget about the brokenness around you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you fall in love with Jesus, you'll fall in love with what Jesus loves. You'll fall in love with what Jesus loves. And you'll live A life where you're not just doing the religious stuff because it's the right thing to do. You're not just going through the motions because this is what church would want me to do. Because this is what the book would want me to do. But you're doing the stuff because your eyes and your mind are fixed on Him and your heart is burning for Him. And you can't help but live that way. You can't help but go pray when you're in love with Jesus. If you've got problems, I don't know why I'm going here. If you've got problems praying, fall more in love with Jesus. You won't have problems finding time to pray if you're in love with Jesus. You'll skip lunch, you'll skip dinner, you'll skip snacks, you'll skip meetings probably. Don't do that, but you'll probably try. If you fall in love with Jesus, you won't have problems finding time to pray. If I was more in love with Jesus, I probably wouldn't have such a big issue fasting. We're working on it. We're working on it. Help us, Lord. Help me, Lord. Oh, God. Full of light. So if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24 No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. I'm almost done, I promise. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That word for wealth is mammon. It's not wealth. I don't like that translation either. It's worldly riches. It's worldly riches. And in the Bible, it's presented as an idol. It's presented as an idol. <laughs> more than money. You know what? You know what our world craves more than money? Attention. Attention. More than money, our world craves attention. And Jesus is saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't be wanting attention from the crowd around you and wanting attention from the Godhead that you're serving above you. You can't serve two masters. Because you'll despise one and cling to the other. You'll despise one and cling to the other. That's vivid language. He says, you'll despise one and cling to the other trying to serve both masters, trying to be, trying to get attention from God and attention from man. He says, there's going to come a breaking point where you're going to despise one of them. There's going to come a wishbone. You know the wishbone? There's going to come a breaking point of the wishbone, and I don't know which side the line's going to fall on, Jesus is saying. But one of them you're going to despise. You'll cling to one of them, but you'll despise one of them. And there's a chance that the one you cling to is the men around you. The people around you. The world around you. And you'll despise your father. You'll despise your father. If you try to serve two masters. If you try to live for the affection of two masters. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Hate the one. Love the other. That's vivid language. He says you'll hate one and love the other. He doesn't mean you'll hate the people around you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you'll hate the fact, you'll hate the idea of living for their attention. You'll hate the one and love the other. Be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Cannot serve God and wealth. Church, we cannot see Winchester saved trying to do it so that Winchester will applaud We cannot see Winchester safe trying to do it so that Winchester will applaud. I'm not saying your leadership feels that way. I'm not saying that way at all. I'm saying we have to be careful because I know their heart in this. But it's easy. It's easy when we get people flooding in the door. It's easy when things start rolling. It's easy when the music's blasting and people are celebrating and we're rejoicing over salvations and families are being changed and necks are being hugged and people are saying thank you. It's easy. To go, oh man, the people of Winchester are really happy with our church. It's really easy to do that. But your leadership, your leadership has has heard from heaven, not because they want Winchester to be happy, because they want the Father to be happy. Because they want the Father to be happy. And we have to be a people that say, we're going to follow their leadership, not because we want Winchester to be happy, because we want the Father to be happy. We want the Father to be happy. All right, stand with me. (sighs) <sighs> hate the one, love the other devoted to one, despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon wealth, that, that is such a bad translation wealth is not that's not what it means Worldly riches is what it means. You cannot serve God in worldly riches. John 15, verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. This abiding is A mind that is set on him. It is a mind that refuses to come off of him. It's a mind that says, I don't care what the people around me say. What the people around me think. I don't care if Winchester thinks we're crazy. Because we're giving room to the gospel. You guys are preaching the gospel and then a message? Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's what Jesus said to do, man. That's what we're gonna do. I don't know, his plans usually work out. We're gonna follow him on this one. I don't care. I don't care what the people think. I wanna know what God thinks. I wanna live a life where my mind is so intertwined with Him that it's like He's a vine and I'm a branch. If you ever break off a branch from a vine, it's not a clean break. There's not a point in there where you can break it off and you can say, that's where the vine stopped and that's where the branch began. They are so, the fibers are so intertwined that at the breaking, you got a piece of the vine and a piece of the branch, and it's all intertwined. This is the degree to which we are intertwined with Jesus. And this, this abiding, this remaining, it produces a life where we produce fruit. Not for the world to celebrate, but for the Father to say, Yep, they're mine. They're mine. That's John 15, 5. John 15, 7. Jesus says, Abide in me, my word's in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. So I can have a Mercedes? No. By this, verse 8, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So prove to be my disciples. To the people around me? Man, I don't really care. To the father. So the father goes, that's mine. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my girl. (laughs) It's not giving up on bearing fruit. It's the only way to actually bear fruit. (sighs) Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you love us enough to warn us that we can do things for the king and in for the sake of the kingdom and still not get heaven's applause but lord you love us enough to say that if we would set our eyes, set our mind, set our attention, our affection on you that we would live a life that is full of light that we would live a life where we bear much fruit Father, not so the world would celebrate us. Lord, we're not asking for the celebration of the world. We're not asking for the applause of man. We're not asking for Winchester or central Kentucky to say, look how good that church is doing, or look how well they're running. Stop it. Look how well they're running. But we're doing it so that the king will look down and set his eyes on us and say, they're mine. They're mine. And I'm proud of them because they're living for me. They're living for me. Jesus, this is the way you lived. You lived in obscurity. You lived in seclusion. You lived hidden. You would do the miracle and then say, don't tell anybody. And then they wouldn't listen and they would tell everybody. But you lived a life not for the attention of man, but so that the Father would look down and say, that's my boy. That's my boy. Let us be a people, Lord, who live so that you would set your eyes on us. So that you would set your attention on us, Lord. And that we would prove to you that we're yours in the earth. Father, give a grace to this people to be full of light. To live daily life full of light. Not just Sundays or Wednesdays, but God, to live daily life full of light, Lord. To shake off the mundane and to be full of light. To work for You. To live for You. To parent for You. To be a husband or a wife for Your namesake, Lord. That in everything that we do, Paul said in Colossians, that everything that we do, that we would do with all of our heart for the glory of Your name. That we would be full of light. We bless this people, Lord. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.